seated and grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, if you slip your hand, we'll get you one. We'll get you a Bible if you slip your hand up. You want to make sure that you are literally on the same page with us as we look into God's Word this morning. Anyone else need a Bible? to a series in Proverbs, so you can turn there, um, get to the book of Proverbs, it's in the middle, if you find Psalms, look to the right, the next book over, uh, the book of Proverbs, and as, we're, as I, you know, read through the book of Proverbs, certain themes really seemed prominent to me, certain themes popped out, like they stood out among the rest, and so what I wanted to do is collect some of those themes and some of those Proverbs put them, kind of bunch them together, um, and then talk about those themes. The book of Proverbs is a collection of sayings. These are wisdom sayings. Um, these, are, these are sayings that try in a beautiful way with wording to capture a truth that is pointing to a way we, sh- we should live. And today I, I, today, I think, has been one of the most impactful truths that I've learned in my life, and I, I still have to keep learning.
constantly checking your phone, checking your texts, asking you who's on the phone, who'd you, who'd you just talk to, who was over, whose shirt is that, Wh- you know, and like sniffing your collar and like over. What are they communicating to you? They're communicating to you, I don't trust you at all. That's what they're communicating. And we, we do that with God, you know, where we're always second-guessing the Bible and second-guessing if that's what I should really do. And it takes us a long time to really think about the, making the right decisions and living in, uh, in the way that the, the Lord is wanting us to live because we're not sure and we want to double check and we want to test the waters and we want to kind of, we're like, God, are you sure? Are you sure this is going to happen? Prove it to me. And, you know, we, we, we don't just take him at his word. It's because we lack trust in him. We lack trust in him. There's a secret to trusting God. This thing, if you get it, It'll help you to trust God. If, if this clicks in your head and in your heart, if this reality really sinks in, if you really understand what I'm about to tell you, you will find it easier to trust God, which will then lead to worship and discipleship and living the life that you're supposed to live. If you understand this truth, you will trust God. But if you don't, if you don't get this, you're going to have a really hard time putting your trust in God. Here's the truth. You ready? If you believe this, you'll trust him. If you don't, you won't trust him. God is sovereign. God is in control of everything. God is over all things. There's nothing that slips God's attention. There's nothing that God forgets. There's nothing that God didn't foresee. There's nothing that is too hidden for God to see it. There's nothing that's too spinning out of control for God to rein it in. There's nothing too powerful for God to do something about. God is in control of everything. Now, right now you might be going, well, amen, amen. Eh." Do you find it difficult to trust God? Because if you do, back it up and go back to the statement. Do I really believe that God is in control of everything? If we were to search deep, some of us might go, okay, honestly, honestly, my honest opinion, my honest feeling is that God is in control of some things. Or God is sometimes in control of everything. There's, there's some kind of qualifier in there that, that puts a question mark. So that when God says, I got this, just follow me, we go, mm, we hesitate because we don't fully trust. Why don't we fully trust? We don't believe that God is in complete and total control of everything. I want you to look at a, a proverb that's going to jump us off this morning, and that's in chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. Verse 21. All right, look at this verse here. It's just two lines. It's powerful if we get what it's saying. It's simple. It's clear. It's not mincing words. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. 
go ahead and make your plans. Fill out your calendar. Block out some dates. Say you're going to go do this and that. But you ain't going to do jack unless God says, yup. That's what that says. You got a lot of plans. There's a lot of things you want to do. You want to grow up and be a doctor. You want to go to college A, B, or C. You want to marry a person that's like this, and you imagine the house is going to be like that. And you're going to have dogs of this kind of breed, and you're going to take the kids to that kind of school, and they're going to be involved in these kind of sports. That's great. Only if God wants that too. Because you can have a lot of different plans, but only what God says, this is my purpose and this is what's going to happen. That's the only thing that actually happens. Our plans don't happen. God's plans happen. We can have purposes, but they don't really matter if they don't line up with God's purpose. And you can plan it out to a T. You can ensure yourself as, as best as you can to make sure that this plan that's in your heart is going to happen. But it ain't going to happen unless God says it's going to happen. Now, if that's not full total control, I don't know what is. That's the doctrine of sovereignty. That what actually takes place, whether you planned it or not, or however you planned it, the actual plan that happens is God's purpose. You can plan really hard and it doesn't happen. Or you didn't plan it at all, but it happens because God has a purpose in it. And nothing can thwart his purposes. Nothing can thwart his purposes. And when Jesus told the disciples, get in the boat, we're going to cross to the other side of the lake. You remember what happened, right? A big storm hit. And the disciples are like, what are you doing sleeping in the bottom of the boat? Why are you sleeping down there? He's like, guys, I said we're going to go to the other side. You're doubting my words. Why do they doubt his words? Because Jesus can't do anything about it. So what did he do? Storm, shut up. And the storm stopped. And he's like, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? What was the response? And they looked at each other. Who is this guy that even the storms and the seas obey him? The gears are turning in their head and they're going, maybe he's not just the guy. Maybe he's God. And if he's God, then that makes sense that he would command the seas and the storm. Why? Because God is in control of everything. And if God says we're going to go to the other side of the lake and you get in the boat, it doesn't matter what happens in the boat. It doesn't matter, you know, what kind of storm hits. It doesn't matter if the boat has holes in it. It doesn't matter if, if, you know, people are trying to sabotage the boat. If God says we're going to the other side, you're going to end up on the other side. And that's why Jesus was napping. Because God is in control of everything. So whatever your plans, whatever your plans are, if they're not God's purpose, then he'll derail those. But you won't derail his. You will never derail God's plans. People come up to me a lot. Like, Pastor, I, I want to, you know, ever since I first started doing ministry, before I even wanted to do ministry full time, one of the number one questions I get is, I want to do God's will. I want to know God's will. How do I know God's will? You know, I, I, I don't want to be cheeky, but whatever you do, that's God's will. Because if it wasn't, he wouldn't have allowed you to do it. God's not going up there going, oh, my goodness, I really want him to do this, but oh, he's going to do that, and now it's going to mess up my whole plan. I've got to rewrite history now. No. Whatever you end up doing fits into his purpose. 
Because if it didn't, he'd block that and not let you do that. That doesn't, doesn't mean run around and do stupid stuff, okay? And we'll get to that in a moment. But what I am saying is we don't have to spend energy trying to figure out which door, A, B, or C, because I don't want to open up the wrong one. If I open C and God meant A, I'm going to disrupt his plan and then I'm going to be out of his will and my whole life is going to spin out of control. You will choose the one that God wants you to choose. Whether it takes nights of toiling and prayer and uh, godly counsel, seeking people's advice and making the decision, you will come to the one that God is going to say, okay, that's the door. Or if you just say, you know what, instead of spending all of that energy trying to use the Bible like a crystal ball and figure out the mind of God for what's next in my life, I'm just going to go to sleep and trust God that whichever door it is, he'll take care of me. Now, I'm not talking about door A is commit adultery, door B is be faithful to your wife. That's clear. <laughs> you don't have to figure out the mind of God. It's in the Bible very clearly. Be faithful. That's the door to choose. But I mean, like, do I go to college or do I start my career? Do I, do I date or should I be single for a few years longer? Uh, should we move here and take that job or should we stay here for less money but this is the kind of community we're going to be in? Those kind of decisions where you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly which door, A, B, 1, or 2. You know, which door do we go through? At the end of the day, and those might be difficult decisions to make, and God doesn't want us to just flip a coin either. Think about it. Pray about it. Seek godly counsel. But, but don't let it become such a stress where you feel like you have to know the correct door because if you don't do the correct door, then God is going, ah, and he's like, you know, tugging on his long white hair and long white beard and getting stressed out because you're making the wrong decision. That can't happen because while your plans can change and your plans can be derailed, God's plans cannot change. God's plans can never be derailed. His purpose will always stand. And no matter what's happening in your life or in the world, you can always look back and go, God allowed, planned to allow this. This isn't catching God by surprise. Nothing surprises God. Nothing can sneak up on God. Nothing can make him do a double take or rethink something because he's in complete control. Many are the plans in the mind of a man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. I love how it says we have many plans, and sometimes they're conflicting plans, and they're changing plans. You have plan A, then you have plan B, and they change. But the purpose, singular, the one purpose of the Lord, he doesn't change them, and there's not many of them. Why? Because there's one. From the beginning of time, there's one, and that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to stand. There's not a bunch of them conflicting. There's just one. We have the conflicting ones that change all the time. So the weather, and then, oh, I, thought, I didn't know it was going to rain, or... This happened, I didn't know the person was going to react like that. And so our plans are always morphing, right? Not so with God. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but the one purpose of the Lord, that's what stands. And it's not just our plans. It's the individual things that happen. The, the things that you and I chalk up to chance. The rolling of dice. The number that come, turns up. God's plan. The flip of a coin. To you, it could have been heads, it could have been tails. Who knows? Well, God knows. And if it comes up tails, it's because he said tails. How do I know that? I want you to look at, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. We'll put some of these up 
Um, so you can turn there if you like. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. Proverbs 16, verse 33. Take a look at it here. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Now, we don't know exactly what lots were. We see that in the Bible a lot. You know, they cast lots for Jesus' role. They, they wanted to fulfill that 12th disciple because Judas killed himself. And so they cast lots. Is it going to be this guy or that guy? They cast lots, and the lots fell to Matthias. They might have been sticks. They might have been some kind of shaped stones with numbers on them. But the best equivalent that we have is dice. Okay? Um, so you might think of, you know, on, on the evil side of things, witches taking bones or something and throwing the bones. And the, depending on the pattern, they know what it's saying. It's weird, but in ancient times, it wasn't necessarily connected to witchcraft. It was like, it was like flipping a coin or rolling dice. You know, who, which team should get the ball first? Well, we flip a coin. Which disciple should it be? They trusted that God was in charge of the coin flip. They trusted that God was in charge of the dice. And so they would do it for lack of revelation, for lack of knowing what the decision was, knowing that, okay, God's going to control this. But here's what the proverb says. The lot is cast into the lap. It's like dice. We don't know what the numbers are that's going to come up, but it's every decision is from the Lord. You know that little magic eight ball you get in those in those toy shops that you go into and you don't know what gift to get someone and you know you're just going to buy something stupid, so might as well just go in the store and buy one of these. You know, and so like this eight ball, you shake it, you ask it a question, you shake it, and and an answer pops up. You know, Th- this is saying even that stupid toy, okay. What, what pops up? In God's plan. Why? Because God is in control of how many things? Everything. Toys, dice, coins, straws, lots, doesn't matter. Every decision, every heads, every tails, every snake eyes on a do- dice roll. The decision is from the Lord. This means there's no such thing as luck. I have to stop myself when I say somebody, all right, hey, good luck at the thing today. And then I go, oh, why did I say that? I don't believe in luck. God bless you, man. God bless you on that today. May the Lord be with you today. You know, may you focus on the Lord today or something. But not, hey, good luck. Why? There is no luck. There is no chance. There's things that feel like chance to us. Oh, by chance, I, oh, I just happened upon you. What are the chances we bump in today? Well, there weren't any. God had that person there. God had you there. That's why you bumped into that person. Right? Because there's no such thing as luck if God is in control of everything. Now, if God is not in control of everything and some things he just spun into existence and however they bump into each other, that's how things pan out. And God is figuring out history along with us, isn't he? He's he's figuring out with us. He spun things into existence, but he doesn't know what people are going to do. He doesn't know what the weather is, gonna, you know, if a tornado is going to form or not. You know, he spun the world into existence, but who knows what's going to happen. So he'll just figure it out along with us because he doesn't know. No, he does know because it's all within his purpose. Therefore, there is no chance. It might seem like chance to us, but there is no chance. There is no luck. And even people that don't believe in God, they, 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 they call it lady luck, right? They even personify luck. Like if luck is a person and luck is making a decision, I'm going to be with you today, or I'm not going to be with you today. Good fortune, I'm going to bless you today. (laughs) Luck isn't a person. Luck doesn't exist because God is a person who is in control of everything. 
Therefore, there is no chance. There is no luck. And guys, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Because if there's such thing as chance, and there's such thing as luck, that means there are certain things that God is not in control of. And when God says, trust me, I don't know if I can trust him because he's not necessarily in control of the thing that he's saying, trust me with. If there's a huge, busy street, and I've got my kids by the hands, and I say, we're going to cross the street, and they're scared because every time a semi goes by, the wind goes, and their jackets are blowing, and they're like, oh, my goodness, this is a scary street to cross. And they were at John's house playing Frogger, and they kept getting run over, the frog, that, that cool arcade. Okay, that was a weird thing. <laughs> right? And they're looking, and they're like, we're going to get killed. And I say, hey, trust me. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying, I got this. I know how to find the gaps in the traffic. I will never walk you in front of a car. I can tell by the speed of the car whether we're going to make it or not. Okay, I can tell by how fast it's coming. I've crossed so many streets. I understand the difference between speed and, and how fast they're coming and, and, and how fast we're able to move. I've got this. Now, what I'm saying to them, I'm not saying trust in my words. I'm saying trust in my ability to cash in on what I just said. Trust that I have the ability to navigate us from this side of the street to the other side of the street without any cars even getting close to hitting us. Trust that I'm able to do that, even if you've never seen me do it before, even if we've never crossed the street before, even if those trucks are really scary, even if bikes zip by really quickly. You trust that I'm in charge, I'm in control, and I can get us across that street. The kids are not trusting in my words, trust me. The kids are trusting in my ability, my power, to put into effect what I said will happen. And guys, if there's such thing as luck and there's such thing as chance, God can't say, for sure, without a doubt, I will accomplish my purpose. Because it might or it might not, depending on coin flips, depending on who shows up, depending on the weather. But if God is in control of the weather, God is in control of coin flips, when somebody says, yeah, I'm going to drive to work today, and then for some weird reason they're like, nah, I'm not going to drive. You know, I'm going to take the train. I never take the train, but I'm going to take the train today. And then they find out later on the news there was traffic that would made them late, and they would have missed that meeting. But thank God they showed up at the meeting because that thing that happened in the middle of there, not chance. God did that. What made you think I'm going to take the train instead of the car? God did that. Okay? This is what the Bible is teaching. And if God is able to superintend our daily lives to that degree, then that means when he says we're going to cross the street, you're crossing the street. When he says you're not going to get hit, you're not going to get hit. Okay? And so Jesus, God, is in control of things to the degree that any coin flip, any dice roll is not outside of his view. It's not outside of his control. We can trust God because he's sovereign. If he weren't sovereign, we would, we would, yes, we would have a question, can I trust him? But you can trust him because he's totally in control. And this isn't just like overarching big plans, like he's in control of what career I end up in. He's in control of what person I end up marrying. He's in control of which brand of toothpaste you decided to pluck from the shelf. He's in control of which way you tied your sneakers this morning, the left one first or the right one first? When you opened your closet and you're like, red shirt, green shirt, the one that you chose, that's the one that was God's purpose for you to choose. That's how, it, it's down to the individual action. Let's look at Proverbs 16, verse 9. 
the heart of a man plans his way. What to wear, what career, who to marry, doesn't matter. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his individual steps. How many steps does it take you to get from your house to the car? It might have been 13 one morning and 12 on another. God's plan. He said 12. He said 13. That's what he allows. The individual steps that we take, not just which college to go to, which courses you choose, and what time you chose to show up to each individual class. When you took notes, what notes did you take? Did you take notes on an iPad or did you write it out? God's choice. Which words did you decide to write down? God's choice. Okay? It's his plan. Your individual steps are within his purview. That's why we can trust him. No one is going to step out of line of God's ultimate purpose. Even if somebody does something wrong or inflicts harm or something like that, okay? God allowed it, and we'll talk about that tension in a minute. God allowed it, but we don't have to flip out like, oh, my goodness, God is losing control of this whole thing. God is losing control. It's out of, ha- it's out of God's hands, you know. And no, we can always come to God in prayer because he is in control. He can manipulate the situation, and he will make sure that his purpose stands. That's what we're trusting. That's what we're trusting. We're trusting that it might be scary. We might hit some bumps along the way. But we will cross that street. We will get to where God wants us to go. And so individual plans, individual decisions, even the words that come out of our mouths. Proverbs 16.1. The plans of the heart belong to a man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. I plan on saying this, but I said something else. What, what happened there? Even the things that come out, even the things that we end up saying, down to the very words that are said, are under the purview of God, under the superintendence of God, under the sovereignty and control of God. He won't even let anyone say anything if he doesn't approve it first. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. World leaders, world leaders, guys. Oh, they're powerful, right? They're in charge of kingdoms. They're dictators of nations. They're presidents of countries, and they have so much power, sort of. But look at this next verse, Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. <laughs> Even a king who's got a scepter and can wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I want A, B, and C to happen. You wouldn't have even thought of that if God's purpose wasn't for you to think of that. I mean, go out and vote, right? Vote. And vote for the candidate that you think it should be. But when the candidate you didn't think it should have been doesn't make it and someone else or the candidate you did think it should be, but when the person makes it to office, you're like, why did I vote for that person? I just believed a bunch of lies. Whoever makes it into that office, whoever's on the cabinet, whoever his, his people are, they're streams of water in the hand of the Lord. And if God doesn't want them to pass that bill or veto that thing, God is in control. If it happens, it's because it's falling within his purpose for it to happen. It's not happening because God's biting his nails and wondering what in the world is going on. That's never true. Therefore, it must be true that he goes, yep, just like I, just like, just like I allowed, just like I said okay to. Right? Even the king's heart is a stream of water in the hands 
of the Lord. So as we're looking at that, uh, understanding that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that God, nothing escapes his attention, nothing catches him by surprise. Our words, our individual actions, world leaders, politicians, policies that are put in place, wars that are approved or wars that end up not happening, all those things fall under the purview of God. Or they all fall under God's watch. Now, I have to get a point of clarification here real quickly. There's a difference between God doing something and God allowing something. Don't let anyone press you into the corner. There's no difference. If God allows a war, God started the war. If God allowed a murder, God did the murder. Not true. If you're going to believe what the Bible says. 1 John uh, 1.5 says that uh, God is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. James uh, tells us uh, in James chapter 1 verse 3. He says, let, let no one say when he's tempted, oh, God is tempting me. No one say that. Don't anyone ever say God is the one tempting me. Because God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself tempts no one. So on the one hand, the Bible's telling us God never sins. God never lies. God never, you know, does anything that's wrong. God never does anything that's evil. There's no darkness in him. On the other hand, it's saying he is in total control. And if anything happens, even things that are bad, even things that are dark, even things that are not good, they happen because God is in control and allowed them to happen. And what some people, the mistake they make is, well, God, if allowed it, then he did it then. But that's not true. That's not true. Biblically, that that would be inconsistent. God never sins, but he does, under his purpose, allow sin. For example, did he make Eve bite the fruit or did he allow Eve to bite the fruit? If in your mind there's no difference there, you've got a problem. But there is a difference. He allowed Eve to bite the fruit. He allowed Adam to also bite the fruit. He didn't make them bite the fruit. He didn't tempt them to bite the fruit. He didn't say, come on, isn't it juicy? Come on. No, he didn't do that, but he allowed it. What's the difference? Well, one person feel, well believes that God is the culprit. God is the one that made them do it. But that's not what the Bible says. The other extreme is God is up there going, oh, my goodness, they bit the fruit. What's going to happen? Oh, he knew they would bite the fruit. And he laid out an entire plan that would culminate in the glorification of Jesus Christ that would be uh, underscored by the fact that he died for a fallen people. This was his plan. But that doesn't mean he made them bite the fruit. He didn't make Judas betray Jesus. He didn't make Pontius Pilate. You know, he he allows them to make the actions. In fact, when God interrupts, when God intervenes, oftentimes it's to make us do the right thing. You know, when your alignment is off in your steering wheel and you let go, you go into the median. Your hands are on it to keep it in line. We're messed up. If we do anything good, it's because God stepped in there and did something. If he goes like this, who knows how bad the world would be. Okay, he intervenes to make things right. He intervenes to accomplish his purpose, but everything that happens, happens because he allowed it. So we cannot open any door that God doesn't allow us to open. That doesn't mean God opened the door. You still open the door, and you're still responsible for your actions. If you do something dumb, if you do something evil, if you do something foolish, you did the foolish thing. You did the evil thing, but you didn't catch God by surprise. It still falls under his overarching plan. 
okay? So there's that tension, and we have to wrestle with that, guys, because we, if we give one of those up, we lose the biblical portrait of God. If we give up his goodness and we feel like, well, God does that. God is starting wars. God is bombing people. God is aborting children. Then we lose the God that we worship. But if we give up sovereignty, then we also lose the God that we worship because he's nice and he's good and he's cuddly. But he can't do anything. He can't stop a war. He can't save your neighbor. Your son is rebelling and you like want him to come to Christ and you're like asking the church to pray for your son. Why? Why would we pray for your son if God is powerless to do anything about it? The son's going to do whatever he wants. No, the son's not going to do whatever he wants. And if God plucks him out of the crowd of lost people, he will be saved. And we pray because God has the power to pluck him. If God is sovereign, he can pluck that young man and say, you're saved now. You're with me. Let's go. And if God does that and reveals grace to him, he'll do it because God is sovereign. But if God can't do that, why am I praying? If God can't help us find the killer, why pray? If God can't help us find the bomber, why pray about it? He can't do it. He's like, I don't know. People make bombs. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? The world is out of control, not out of God's control. That doesn't mean God bombs people. It means he allows certain things. He allows a mess. He allows suffering to happen under his grand purpose. And in our suffering, we can go to him. And say, look, this street is really scary. There's a lot of bumps and potholes. I'm hurting. I'm grieving. I have sorrow here. I'm scared. And saying, I'll take you to the promised land. Nothing's going to happen to you that's too much for you to bear. No temptation is going to come upon you that wasn't a temptation that Jesus also experienced. He, he resonates with that. You can lean on him and you can trust him to walk you through and get you through even the toughest of experiences. Someone who believes in God's sovereignty looks at suffering and says, all right, God allowed this. And if he allowed it, there's a purpose in it. But if you don't believe in sovereignty, you go, oh, my goodness, this caught both me and God by surprise. What am I going to do? Who do you go to? Who do you pray to? Who do you worship? A weakling God that feels like the world is out of hand. That's what you're left with. But that's not the biblical portrait of God. The biblical portrait of God is that he's in control. How does that help? I can trust him. Even if he makes decisions, I wouldn't have allowed that door. But God did. And he's wiser than you. And so I can trust him that he allows the doors to be open, that he uh, decides is good or wants to be open. He closes the doors that he decides to close. And here's the result. Proverbs 27.1. Here's the result. Proverbs 27.1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. In other words, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so don't boast about tomorrow. Oh, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. You get all cocky because things are going well. Well, what's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is, oh, things are going bad, and we don't boast. What do we do? We worry. And so if things are going well, we feel like we're in control, and if I line things up the right way, then tomorrow's going to be awesome. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Tomorrow's going to be awesome. Shh, don't go there. But the opposite is things are going bad. Nothing's lined up. I can't fix it. My friend can't fix it. My financial planner is an idiot. He told me to invest in this. Everything's falling apart. Tomorrow looks horrible. Shh, that's bad too. Why? Because that's worry. They're both the same sin. It's, it's both the person who doesn't trust in God's sovereignty. They trust in everything else. They trust in the stock market. They trust in smarts. They trust in math. They trust in their ability to predict certain things, their ability to line certain things up to make certain situations happen. And when their ability fails, they get scared and they worry. When their ability looks like it's succeeding, they get proud and boastful. They both have the same 
flaw. And the flaw is neither of them trust in the sovereignty of God. If you trust in the sovereignty of God, even if your plans look good, you're not going to boast about tomorrow because you have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. But I planned it. Still have no idea. Nor are you going to worry because it might look bad, but God can turn it around. Why? Because God is in control of everything. Therefore, we can trust him. If he's not in control, we have, we have every right to withhold trust because we don't know, and neither does God. Both of those kinds of people, whether they boast or whether they worry, they don't understand that God has a plan. I'm going to leave you with this last thing. Um, this doesn't mean we don't make plans. Okay, I'm going to show you two quick verses real quick as we, as we wrap up here. Proverbs 21. I love this one. I love this one. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. You prep the horse, you dress the horse, you get the horse ready to ride out into battle. But the victory is God's. God did the victory. The horse didn't do the victory. Your prepping the horse didn't do the victory. Your sharpening the spear didn't do the victory. Your reloading your weapons didn't do the victory. God did the victory. But what is God, how does God do the victory? Well, he used the fact that you got the horse ready. So Proverbs isn't saying, don't make any plans, guys. Throw all your plans in the garbage. Don't plan anything because God's going to do what he's going to do. He still wants you to plan. Look at this last verse. Same chapter. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. It's a proverb. Same book. Same book that over and over again tells us God is in charge. God is in control. Nothing happens that God doesn't allow. But you're still responsible to live wisely. You're still responsible to make wise decisions. Don't do something that's dumb. Don't do something foolish. Don't do something wrong. Live rightly. Live righteously. And trust that God will make things pan out for the best. In Romans, Paul tells us God works all things together for good to those that love him. But that ultimate good is conformity to Christ. And if God decides that a suffering, a disease, losing someone, a disaster is going to point people to Christ more than the other way, than peace, than comfort, then he makes that decision. And the good that comes out of it is we're conformed to Christ. And guys, that's a promise that we don't have to question. Will God be in charge of me becoming more like Christ? Will, if I have a situation that I feel like I can't handle, will he help me to be able to handle it? Will he teach me to lean on Christ? Yes, that's a promise. He doesn't promise riches. He doesn't promise careers. He doesn't tell us which doors are always going to be the ones that are going to open. But he does tell us that no matter which doors we go through, he weaves that fabric together into an awesome quilt, and that quilt is conformity to Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate goal in all of God's history. All his purposes will stand because his purpose is to glorify Christ in your life. So if you're dealing with a difficulty, if you're not sure what tomorrow is going to bring, that's fine. That's good. Understand that you can't bring tomorrow in. Prepare your horse for battle. That's great. But understand that God is going to take those plans, and if he derails them or puts them into action, it's because he saw it sovereignly wise to do so. And we can make our plans, do our thing, and at the end of the day, surrender it to God and say, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be riddled with anxiety. I'm not going to bite my nails. I'm not going to go to food. I'm not going to go to drugs. I'm not going to go to different things to try to satisfy and deal with my anxiety. I don't have the anxiety because I trust in a God who's in control of everything. Amen? All right. Let's stand and let's get ready to worship. And as we close in worship, 
Um, let's leave here with our focus um, on Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, that our trust in God will point us to conformity to Christ. And if that's not number one on your list, being like Jesus, if that's not number one on your list, that's down a little bit, let's just pray that God will help us bump that up because that's, that's the number one purpose that the Lord will make stand in your life. Let's worship him together. All right, we're going to sing out now to an everlasting God, just like Pastor Lucas talked about. Here we go. As we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever, our hope, our strong deliverance. up on wings like eagles. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. God, you reign forever, our hope, our strong deliverer, you are the everlasting God, the everlasting God, you do not faint, you won't grow Comfort those in need. You lift us up on wings like eagles. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Uh, let's go with the Lord's blessing this morning. Father, we just uh, we thank you, God. We are grateful to you that 
You are not a God who grows weary, tired. You don't faint. Uh, you don't get surprised. You don't get confused. You don't get worried. Um, and so we can trust in you, uh, the ultimate non-worrier, because you are in control of all things. And so the times that you allow things that make us wonder why you allow them, give us the grace to understand that you're all wise. You're the immortal, invisible God, that you have the right to make decisions. You have the wisdom to make the right decisions. And we surrender it to you, Lord. Help us to trust you. Help us to not have anxiety. Help us to not worry. Help us to understand that those things are, are sin because it's us saying we don't trust you. And we want to trust you, Lord. So we, we ask that you would help us to understand the reality of your sovereignty, your control, your, um, your supreme oversight over all things. And um, we'll do the best we can to live wisely, righteously, to choose the doors and the openings that seem biblical and seem right. But at the end of the day, we, we put it all in your lap and we thank you that you're in control so that we don't have to be. What a mess that would be. We thank you. We're grateful for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Members, we'll see you at 1 o'clock.